0: Psalm number 17, my intention is to preach the entire psalm. Psalm 16, that was my intention. We were there for three weeks. So, Psalm 17, verse number 1, Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry, give ear unto my prayer, that goeth not out of feigned or deceitful lips let my sentence come forth from thy presence, let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me, and shalt find nothing. That's that's probably the most difficult part as you read this just initially. Because of where your mind wants to go. We'll get there in a minute. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. That's not so hard. That's your purpose every day, isn't it? Verse number four, concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths. That's the only way. If we're going to walk uprightly, And we're only going to do so because the Lord's holding us, upholding us. That my footsteps slip not. If my feet are going to be like hinds feet and they're going to walk in high places, those high places are God's. Uh, I can't walk there apart from the strength that he gives, the grace that he gives. Verse 6, as I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me. O God, incline thine ear unto me and hear my speech. What if he wouldn't hear us? What if he couldn't hear us? Where would we be? Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Now, how many people in this room and have somebody rise up against them. Hmm? Yeah. I mean, Shalom and I were talking about that yesterday, weren't we? About, uh, I mean, even at his age, people can rise up against him, can't they? The oldest among us, people can rise up against them. Did you see the news article where the, the, the man mugged a 75-year-old woman and stomped her face? you know, Um, so save us from them that rise up against, you know, us because we trust in these, what the psalmist is saying look at verse number 8, you're probably familiar with this verse keep me as the apple of the eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me From my deadly enemies who compass me about, they are enclosed in their own fat. Well, they are satisfied. They know it all. They've got it all. With their mouth, they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They're all round about us. They surrounded us. You see those movies, we're surrounded. We are. We're surrounded by. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth. I don't know how many of you have ever been around a bull. and that bull starts to charge, he does that. Here he comes. Them eyes are set down, and he's coming straight at you. Like as a lion, verse 12 says, that is greedy of his prey you, you've seen those films before haven't you you've seen, you've seen those lions about a carcass you've seen how greedy they are other things come up and they chase them off you know. they're greedy for their prey and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places I forget what it was the other day Lydia what was it something you said was, was watching you and and we said, well, there's no telling how many things out there in the woods that are watching us right now. And we can't, we don't pay attention to them. There's the more innocent things like birds, you know. But then there's some other things out there, you know. I mean, how many snakes have I as we've passed by and we didn't even know they was there, you know. Um, but it talks about these young lions lurking in secret places like they're ready to pounce. They're just waiting the opportunity. They see you coming. Or maybe they're, they're crawling through the bush, you know, for you. So the psalmist says in verse 13, Arise, O Lord, disappoint him. You ever seen some of the wildlife films, Emmanuel, where the lion was disappointed? It didn't catch its prey. The prey got away, you know. I mean, it had those claws coming right for the hind parts of that impala or whatever, and it jumps and there it goes. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. From men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world, which have their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure, they are full of children, and they leave their substance to their babes. That's what they're satisfied with. They're satisfied with the things of this life. What are you satisfied with? Well, look at verse number 15. "As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I will be satisfied. I'll be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I'm not satisfied with the things the world seems to be satisfied with. I mean, if you get a brand new one, was that a brand-new truck he was talking about, that Ford truck? They had to go back. You know, J.T. talking about a brand new truck that he had gotten sometime back I don't know how many years ago that was but as soon as he got it home it started malfunctioning You know, it had to be sent back to the dealership they had to tear it apart trying to figure out what was wrong with it um, but you know you, you, you let's say you don't get one of those and you get a brand new car that sounds nice doesn't it a new car well for long things start to wear you know and, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been looking at cars because Lydia, or not Lydia, but Anna's going to need one, then Lydia's going to need one. So I've been kind of looking around, you know, <clears throat> you see a car with 100,000 miles, and it's already got tears in the seat, and that one's been treated pretty rough, you know, but they wear out. They don't last. How can you be satisfied with those things? They don't last. But this, when I awaken thy likeness, I'll be satisfied with Thy likeness with thy righteousness that lasts. And we, we talked about it not too long ago and we, we said how the world says you can't take it with you. Oh contraire. I will take it with me. Not my bank account. You know, not my vehicle. You know, not my apparel, not my favorite pair of shoes. But that which God has created within me and I shall live forever in his presence. So we will take that with us, and we will be satisfied with that. Uh, So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we bow before you and come unto you and confess our need of you and our need for you to speak, Father, unto us, um, Father, we implore your grace and mercy this morning that you would indeed give us a hearing ear, that you would indeed speak unto our hearts and minds, that we would indeed hear from you if there be any here Father this morning that that know you not if there be any here this morning Father that are deceived in thinking that they know you and do not we pray Father that you would convict and convince that you would bring them to a place where they would see true and know true repentance and true faith in Christ Um, Father we know this time is, is, is well spent if you would come and meet with us We know that it's in vain if we don't hear from you. So we ask that you would meet with us this morning. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. So as I went to a customer's house this week and was walking through some of the things that we have done, some of the things that were yet to be done, I said, where do you want to start? And he said, well, let's start with the elephant in the room. So he wanted to start with the thing that he had the biggest problem with, right? So as we look at this text and we we see the things that David is saying, you know, he's 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 asking in the very first verse for the Lord to hear the right. You know, he's you've ever heard somebody say that they were in the right? You know, I heard that frequently in the insurance office. People would have a collision, I won't call it an accident. They would collide with one another, and they would, one of them would say, I was in the right. And they'd tell the officer, I was in the right. They were in the wrong. You know, here David's saying, he is in the right. So he goes on, and he's asking the Lord to, for the, his sentence to come forth. He's saying at the end of verse number one that he, he's, he's not being deceitful. He's being honest. He's not wronged anyone in this, in this matter, and he's wanting the sentence of the just judge to go forth. He says in verse number three that you, you can see David's been, this thing's come upon him. He's been searching. Is, is there something in me? Have I wronged this? Have I done something in this circumstance? Have I brought this upon myself? Thou hast proved mine own heart. You can imagine David saying, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me, and, and look at what he says, and shall find nothing. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? So we have to have context. We have to, we have to understand what David's saying here. He's not saying that he's perfect. But what he is saying is, is that he's, he's not in the wrong in this matter, that whatever this we're not told what this matter is. You know, so let's try to put a face on it. And there's 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 different things that we could use, but but let's let's put this face on it to help us to have a context to work through the psalm. How about Saul? How about Saul's treatment of David? You get into 1 Samuel 19 and in, in 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 this right right before this david has defeated goliath this is really saul's first encounter you know with david you remember he wants to put his armor on him and david's like i can't go out with this stuff on you know i've not proved this in battle you know what i have proved in battle is this staff what i have proved in battle is this sling what i have proved in battle is this stone you know the lord has delivered lambs out of the lion's mouth, out of the bear's mouth, with these things. So that's what I'll go out on the battlefield with. And it's like you get to the end of the, of the chapter there and, and Saul's, after David slain, you know, Goliath and cut off his own, you know, his head with his own sword, he says, he's almost like, boy, where'd you come from? You know, I mean, I've had all of my army, you know, here that Goliath's been coming out every morning and none of them have gone out there to face him. And here you come, you know, where, where are you from? And so, you know, David tells him, you know, I'm, I'm of the household, you know, of, of Jesse. Yeah. And so you get further on and you get to the next chapter and they're coming into the city. I don't know how much time has transpired. But you hear this, the women in the city saying this, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. And from that moment on, you know, Saul was fine with Goliath being slain. But from that point on, he begins to eye David suspiciously. He begins to eye David as one who's robbing him of his glory. You know, people ought to be praising his name, not David's name. David's not praising himself. David's a man after God's own heart. He's praising the Lord. The victory belongs to him. You know, David didn't say it was by my hand I slew Goliath. You know, when he came against Goliath, what was he saying? He said, by the name of the living God, I'm I'm, I'm coming against you in in the Lord's name. You're cursing me with your gods. I'm coming against you in the one true God. He's going to deliver you into my hand. It's not because of my might or my ability with the sling." Not because of my ability with picking out the perfect stone, you know. It's because God's going to deliver you into my hand, and so David gave God the glory. But Saul had a problem with David, you know. From that time forward, when he heard what the people were saying, and he sought occasion against David in in, in different circumstances. But then we fast forward, and we see eventually. You know, he, after the whole, he tried to pin David to the wall twice with the javelin and David escaped out of his hand, right? Um, Of course, the Lord gave David um, an ally in Saul's house, didn't he? Jonathan loved David, you know, as his own brother, you know, he loved him. Um, And so Jonathan warned him. And so David flees, but Saul's not finished, It's not enough that David had exiled himself. Saul begins to pursue him through many places, many instances. And in the end, Saul confesses that David was more righteous than he. So if we kind of put that face on it, we can kind of understand here is Saul. Here's Saul's jealousy. Here's Saul's anger. Uh, Here's Saul's pride. And you know, David has only ever faithfully served Saul. Um, he, he's, he's, not, he's not ever, even, even you remember in the cave when David's men were saying, here is your chance, God has delivered him into your hand, kill him. And that's what Saul had said about to all of his servants and to his own son, Jonathan, he saw it early on back there in, in 1 Samuel 19. He, he started telling his servants, look for an occasion to kill David. And you remember after, after David had married Saul's daughter, you know another ally there for a time anyway, she found out that her dad was going to try to kill it. She must have had some affection for David. She didn't want him to be killed, and so she warns him, and he flees. You know. And so here David is in that cave, and Saul had come in to sleep. And his servants were saying, kill him. And David says, I'll not touch the Lord's anointed. You know, I, I'm not going to take his life. And he cuts off the edge of his garment. and he, Still, that smote his heart that he'd even gone that far. He know, do that. And you remember the other time that he goes into the camp, and the Lord causes a deep sleep to fall upon the army of Israel. And David walks up to Saul and takes the pitcher of water at his head and a spear. And he comes out later, and he says, "You know, here are these things I could have killed you in the night. You know, where where were the men that were supposed to be keeping you, Saul? Where were the men that were supposed to be on watch? You know." And of course, Saul weeps and says, "You know, you're more righteous, you know, than I." So, think about David in those circumstances. He's not done any wrong. He's, He's searching his heart. What have I done? You yeah, why has this been brought upon me? Why is Saul seeking, you know, my... He's not just upset with me, and I'm not welcome in court. You know, he wants to kill me. You know, why is this? What have I done? What wrong have I committed? So in verses 1 through 4, we see David craving justice in the controversy that seems to be between him, you know, and and Saul. In verses 5 and 6... We see him requesting of the Lord grace. You think about being in that situation. You think about being oppressed by someone like that. What's the flesh going to want to do? The flesh is going to rise up. The flesh is going to want to get even. The flesh is going to want to return railing for railing. But what David's seeking is grace to act rightly in the midst of the trial that he's going through. Verses 7 through 12, he's seeking protection. These people want to put him to death. He's seeking protection from his foes. Verses 13 and 14, he pleads that they might be disappointed. I mean, they are convinced. They, are, they have the upper hand, and they are going to destroy him. So he's asking the Lord that they might be disappointed. You, you think about Ahithophel, you know, that counselor that David had that stayed behind with Absalom And David prays that the counsel, you know, of Ahithophel would be turned against him. You know, Um, that they might be disappointed. And then he closes in the end. And you think about the things that we go through in this life. And when are you really going to be satisfied? What are you really satisfied with? His righteousness. When I awaken his likeness. And so that's where... and, And we can kind of... We can understand that, can't we? I mean, we... I mean, there, there's some things we go through in this life where we're like, even so, come Lord Jesus. You know, come now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm ready. You know, and thinking about Paul, it would be far better for me to, to depart and go and be with Christ, you know. Um, you know, he felt that way at times. I mean, think about all the things that he went through. I mean, he was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. You know, he was in prison. You know, so many times he was beaten with rods. I mean, all the list of things that he goes through. And, and what had he done? You know, here he was seeking to preach the gospel you know unto he'd go to the synagogue first and then under the gentiles you know and and what was he seeking to do but to preach the gospel um, and so he could have a reason to say what the psalmist says here hear the right you know hear my cause judge in this situation lord i'm not in the wrong i'm in the right I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm seeking to glorify and honor you, and these people are oppressing me. These people are oppressing me. So it's difficult to be in that position, especially when there's someone that's in a position of authority over you. I mean, think about Saul. He was king. David wasn't king yet. Here's somebody in authority over you that's oppressing you. So, again, we we don't know the exact circumstances, but... We can think about it in those terms, and I think it'll help us, you know, with Saul. But this is the first psalm that we come to in our study in the psalms that says in the title that it is a prayer of David. Not that we haven't seen David praying before now, but it's the first one that we have that has that title, a prayer uh, of David. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was very disconcerting uh, to David. Think about the position that he's in. He had already been anointed by Samuel to be king. How easy would it have been being in that position to listen to those men saying, kill him. The Lord's anointed you king anyway, you know. How easy would it have been for him to listen to Satan to return, you know, at the minimum railing for railing, you know. Uh, but what about when that spear was thrown at him? And I can imagine, you know, you some of those cartoons that we've watched as kids, you know, where the the spear goes in the wall and it's just doing, you know, starting. You know, here's here's this here's this javelin that he's tried to pin David to the wall with. I mean, David David was a, a, a you know he was a warrior. I mean, how many of us would have gone out and tried to Danny, and, and take a sheep out of a lion's mouth or a bear's mouth? Uh, I mean. How easy would it have been to pick up the javelin and toss it back? You you want to have a spear-throwing contest? Okay. You know, I can throw one too. Uh, How easy would it have been for him to do that? And no wonder we hear him saying in the psalm, Lord, help me. Grant me grace. That I might act aright. That I might not return evil for evil. That I might not return railing for railing. That I might abide and wait your time. You've anointed me to be king, but I'll wait your time. I don't want to. I don't want to take the throne. I don't want to storm and charge the throne and take it in 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 myself. You know, I want to wait your time. And when when you say, you know, that will be best. So. David is initially saying here in the psalm, don't allow might, because might was on Saul's side in a sense. I mean, he was commander-in-chief. The army was at his command. Um, And David's saying, don't let might crush right. Don't let might crush right. Give ear to my cry. It's not from deceitful lips, or as we see there in the King James, feigned lips. It's not, that's what that word feigned there means, it's deceitful. It's not from deceitful lips. Give ear to my cry. Who, Who better to plead our case before? Right? Who better to take your trouble unto? This is a prayer of David. He's bringing his trouble before the Lord. Who better to bring your problems unto? I mean, we can go to each other. And we can say, "Well, this person's really giving me trouble." You know, this situation I'm in, this is just—it's it, really hard. Um, but who better to bring? I mean, we can we can employ others to pray with us, but have we first taken the matter to the Lord and said, "Lord, look what look what's happening. Look look at the position." That take notice of the position that I'm in. I've not done anything to bring this upon me. You know, will you judge in this situation? Will you make this right? You know, and help me, you know, in my dealings with this person to act rightly. That, because the main thing that I'm concerned about is your glory, the main thing I'm concerned about is your honor. Judge my cause. When you think about judges, and just recently in the news, you know, there was a judge here in Texas that's seeking to overthrow, you know, the abortion law, you know, the anti abortion law that was that was passed and seeking to, you know, find another foothold, you know, in there. Um, so and the, the the Supreme Court is like, no, you know, we're gonna put a stay on that. You can't do that. You know, we'll we'll hear your case. But you think about judges, there is a supreme judge of all the earth. Shall the judge of all the earth do right? Yeah, shall he not do right? Absolutely he will. Can he do anything else? So let's think about that for a second. So you're put in this position. You're being oppressed by someone. You've not done any wrong. Yeah, but here they are oppressing you. And, and, and you, you want nothing more than deliverance from this set of circumstances. But when will that deliverance come? If he's the judge of all the earth who does what is right, then the Lord's going to deliver you from that set of circumstances. We don't really know how long David, you know, three, four years that he ran, you know, from Saul. I don't know. Um, But how long, Lord? How long? Well, it'll be exactly the right length of time. I mean, Brother JT not long ago told us about that. It'll be exactly the right. How long will I be in this set of circumstances? Well, as long as you need to be not not a second too early i mean you, you cooked things before that you know or put it in the microwave whatever and it's not quite done you know not quite warm enough maybe it's leftovers not quite warm enough i saw that yesterday <laughs> teresa had a plate you know sister becky had some food on it and she was putting it in there you know how long you know, you want to take it out yet to see, you know, if it's, if it's warm enough or you want to leave it in there the whole, you know, amount of time. Well, the Lord's going to leave you exactly the right amount of time. He doesn't make mistakes. He's not going to pull you out too soon. He's not going to leave you in too long either. You know, if that hamburger had been left in there too long with that bread and everything, you know, sister, it would have been, you know, what happens to bread when you leave it in the microwave too long? Yeah, hard, you yeah. know, or, you know, chicken, leave it too long, kind of rubbery. You know, um, it's better to put it in the oven and warm it up slow, right? And all, all that. But, but the Lord's not going to leave you too long. It's the exact amount of time, just the right amount of time. And he's going to give you, he's going to give you grace. And we were talking yesterday about, about Paul, and the thorn in the flesh. He besought the Lord three times that it might be removed. And what did the Lord say? My grace is sufficient for you. You yeah, know, there's that is word again, right, Brother Donnie? It is. Yeah. It's good for you. Yeah. And so Paul rejoiced in it, didn't he? Yeah. He said, I'll rejoice in my infirmity. You know, absolutely. But his grace is sufficient. That was the devotional yesterday. Not that it might be, not that it could be, but that it is sufficient. You know, believe what God has said in his word. It is sufficient. So if, if we were to seek to approach God with our petitions and we were being deceitful, I mean, he says, I'm not being deceitful. It's not feigned lips in verse number one. We were being deceitful. How foolish. I mean, you're deceived if you think you can deceive God. You're deceived if you think you can fool God. You know, if, if you're going to make false pretense of prayer. You are just going through the motions. You know, we're not heard because of how many words that we use. We talked about the short the short prayer not long ago in the Psalms. Help, Lord. Help me. Yeah, help. That's a pretty short prayer. And if it's sincere, if it's earnest, Scripture says that avails much. Doesn't say how long the prayer has to be. Yeah, the sincere, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Avails much. David was in the right. Was his prayer going to avail anything? Is the Lord going to hear him? Is the Lord going to do something? Yes, he's his child. I mean, you think about what he says here in the first verse, the word cry is used. How long we've been doing that? We come into this world that way, don't we? We come into this world with a cry. Yeah. Uh, And if we didn't, the doctor had would uh swat us and you know way back when i don't know if they still do that anymore or not you ultimately that baby starts crying and if it didn't start crying straight from the mother's womb you know it's going to start it's going to get hungry and it's going to start crying and, it, and it's, it's it's not going to be as snuggled as it wants to be you know and I, I can't tell you how many times we were in the hospital and the, the babies would be crying we always kept them right there in the room you know that's just my it's just me I, I know Teresa somewhat somewhere that way too, but I did not want to let that baby out of my sight. If you're going to weigh that baby, I'm there. You know, um, you're not switching my baby with somebody else's baby. You know. It's happened. It's happened, hasn't it? Well, it ain't going to happen. I mean, they put those little ankle monitors on there. They're supposed to keep you know, the baby from going too far down the hallway. I could slip that thing right off. I'm like, how secure is this? You know, they said, I'm watching this baby. You know? So there the baby was in the room with us the entire time. And the baby would be crying. The nurse would come in, and uh, go. Over. It wouldn't even say anything. You know, could see both of us just. I mean, certainly her. You know, just completely wiped out. Um, and I, I certainly was with you, Anna Lynn. Um, you did not want to sleep, and you did not. You weren't doing real well, well in the eating department either. So, but um, that nurse would come in, unwrap that baby, and and wrap the baby back up real tight walk out the room baby's quiet you know but you think about being in the womb you're all snuggled you know uh comforted and all out in this great big world and your arms are flailing and your legs are flailing you know and you're like what in the world you know where am i now you know you're in this kind of a darker place not that there wasn't any light you know at all but but uh you know it is it's uh you, know, you get outside it's bright you know so we start crying and we've been crying ever since And that cry, when our mother heard that cry, mama's attention was was caught and captured. This cry here, how much more? How much more God who is perfect, if we as his child cry, will he not hear? Will he not hear? So we're not being deceitful. If we were, he would know. You're not going to get anything over on God. Yeah. You're not going to pull the wool over God's eyes. I don't know where that saying came from, but you know what it means. Mm-hmm. You, know. you know where that saying came from, Brother JT? I don't know. No. no. We're not going to fool God. If you're, if you're praying and you're not really sorry, you're not really, you know, you're not really repenting, the Lord knows. If you're just going through the motions. If you're just here today and you have some other motive for being here, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. We're not going to fool him. We cannot deceive God. Like I said, any man that thinks that he can is himself deceived. Psalm 66 verse 18, listen to this. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What if David had been in the wrong here? And he was trying to convince the Lord he was in the right. Well, David's going to have to get right first. If he expects the Lord to do something. The Lord is doing something already, isn't he? I mean, how long did David, between the time that he had killed Uriah the Hittite, not with his own hand, per se, with a sword in his palm, but in battle, you know, he he might as well have killed him. He, He sent Uriah carried his own death sentence. He carried the letter in his hand. He did not open it. It had the king's seal upon it, and he delivered it to the commander. And when he read that, he must have looked at that man and thought, "What have you done? That the king has has said what he's. You know, he's not saying this to Uriah, but the king is wanting me to do this to you." And so they put him in the worst part of the battle and withdrew from him, and he died. Well, he died. And then, you know, the whole situation with Bathsheba and David goes along and he's not repentant. Not until Nathan comes and says, You're the man. You're the man. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But that's not the case here. That's not the case here. David's in the right. He's saying, My hands are clean, I, I, I'm clear of any wrongdoing in this matter. You ever got a ticket for doing something you weren't doing? Hmm? Police officer said you were speeding and you weren't? And you try to convince them. Teresa was trying to convince them, like, it's okay, shh, be quiet. Don't. I don't want to make this any worse than it is. Just let the man give me the ticket. You know, he was getting even, is what he was doing. Because, I don't know, was it a week before, two weeks before, how long before that? We were in town and used to in Trinity, you could do a U turn. There was nothing wrong with it, right there on 19. But then I guess there were some problems. They put up, you know, accidents, whatever, they put up signs, no U turn. Well, I had done it for so many years, I just completely forgot. And there he was. And he pulls me over, and I'm like, I'm in the wrong. I deserve, you know, I deserve a ticket for the U turn. I don't know how we were. We were out of high school, aren't we? And here he was getting ready to do that. And guess what happens? His wife sees him and passes by, and she wants to talk to him, so she does a U-turn right in front of all of us. And so then, I guess he felt like he couldn't give me a ticket, but he got even later because I was heading down 19 towards Huntsville. I was not speeding, but he pulled me over and gave me a ticket for speeding. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he got he got even, but um, David's hands were clean. And he desires that judgment would come from God. That his justice would reign over that situation. In other words, he's committing himself unto the Lord. Lord, here's this matter. Here's the situation. I've not done anything wrong here. This person is, is just pursuing me. You know, they want to kill me in this situation with Saul. I'm, I'm committing myself in this, this set of circumstances unto you. You know, David's not saying that he's guiltless in anything. Just like me, I was guilty of the U-turn. I wasn't guilty of the speeding, but I was guilty of the U-turns. David's not saying, I've never done a U-turn before. You know, I've sinned, certainly. If we say we're without sin, yeah, we're deceiving ourselves, aren't we? You know, but in this situation, and that's why we've got to look at this, in this situation, David was not in the wrong. David was in the right In this matter with Saul, he's done no wrong. And it seems like as we go through and we look at verses like verse number three, David's wrestled with this. You know, am am I being chastened by the Lord's hand because of something that I've done that I shouldn't have done in my relationship with Saul as king? You know, um, have I wronged him in some way? Have I done something I'm not aware of? Um, Lord, would you would you show that to me? Can I is there some way I can make this right? You know, I don't understand his anger. I don't understand you know him wanting to put me to death. I just I just don't understand this. What has warranted such evil treatment? This person whom I've sought faithfully to serve, I mean, putting his own life at risk, right? Going out initially against Goliath, and how many other battles had he gone into? Um, you know, think about the dowry that Saul required. You remember back on the battlefield with Goliath, all the men were saying, surely whoever kills Goliath, the king would give, you know, his daughter to that man for, you know, wife. Well, the king hadn't said that, but that was what was going on. You know, that was the talk amongst all the soldiers. Um, but the dowry that, that Saul actually required of David hazarded David's life greatly in order to obtain. So David seems to have wrestled with this matter before God, seeking to know if there was any just cause for this treatment. In the end, he's convinced in his heart that there's nothing that he's done. God hasn't revealed anything. He says, you've proved my heart. You've visited me in the night. You've tried me. And you, you found nothing. I'm purposed, therefore, that I'll not transgress. And it, it's all on him. It's all on Saul. I used this illustration yesterday talking to somebody because my kids have, have more than once come to me and they said, I was wrong. And I asked for forgiveness, you know, from my brother or sister and they won't forgive me. And I said, well, you've done what you can do, you know, that's on them. This was on Saul. This was on Saul. It wasn't on David. This was on Saul. And so David goes before the Lord in prayer. First John five fourteen through fifteen says this. I'm sorry, I didn't send out those verses, Sister Delina. But it's First John five fourteen through fifteen, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. What's David asking for here? I'm purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Lord, guard my lips. Lord, guard my thoughts. Lord, guard my heart, you know, against, you know, treating this person the way they're treating me. And showing this person instead Christ. Showing Christ into this person instead. And we, if we know that he hear us, and like I said before, what if he... What would we do if he wouldn't? What would we do if he couldn't? We know that if he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Does that mean it's going to happen right away? No. We'd like for it to happen right away. You may have to be patient. You may have to pray for patience. You may have to seek the Lord for a long time. You know, years maybe David you know likely this happened three or four years you know you may have to petition the Lord for a long time you may have to ask the Lord for a long time keep me keep me by your power the Lord knows how long we don't know how long the Lord knows how long it needs to be we feel like it's I'm ready now I'm you know ding the microwave done you know I'm ready to be taken out um, but the Lord knows how long. Do, can we trust him? Can, he, can we trust him to bring us out of those circumstances when it's in his time? You know, when he says it's right, when he says we're ready, when he says that we've learned those things that we need to learn, when he says that in that circum- set of circumstances that, that, that the potter has formed the clay out of that set of circumstances and done the work in us, that he purposed to do. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can kick and scream. The Lord's going to have his way. It's better just to humble yourself under his mighty hand. You know, like we said last week. He does hear us. He does hear us. And there's nothing wrong with being honest before the Lord. He knows your feelings anyway. And Lord, I'm having real trouble here. Waiting. I'm having real trouble here being... Patient, I'm having real trouble thinking about going and meeting that person in the office tomorrow because, I'm, Lord, you know what my flesh would like to do, and I want to keep it under submission. Um, we do have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Hebrews four fourteen, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession verse fifteen. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched. With the feeling of our infirmities. Not just that God hears our prayers. He's touched. With the feeling of our infirmity. He's touched with the way that we feel. About the set of circumstances. With the problems that we're having. With the difficulties that we're having. But was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet without sin. Let us come therefore boldly. Unto the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. David was in a time of need. Thinking about God hearing us. There is more cause. Listen. There is more cause. To fear that we will not hear him. Than that he will not hear us. There's more cause to fear that we will not hear him. Than that he will not hear us us here these things are happening to David and he must have wondered those same things that we've been saying how long what have I done how long we realize that it's not always because of something that we've done you know, here David's in the right and yet still he's being oppressed so just because you're in the right doesn't mean you're not going to be oppressed um you know, we think that's the way it should work. If I do the right thing by people, I shouldn't have any problems, you know. But just by the very fact in our day that you're doing right, you're going to have problems, you know. You're going to have problems. You're going to be persecuted because of doing what's right. If they hated me, the Lord said, what had he done? What had he ever done but good? What had he ever done, but what was right? And yet he said, "They hated me without a cause. Here Saul hates David if it was that situation. Here Saul hates David without a cause, without a cause. I mean, if we had been in Saul's circumstances, had it been Saul's situation, we were king upon the throne, how long am I going to stay there till the Lord decides that I no longer need to be there? Do I have to worry? about David taking the throne no if the, if if Saul had had a right heart before God and and and, and he had known that, that that David had been anointed and God had said to him okay Saul your time's done yes Lord if he had a heart that was right but that wasn't what Saul's heart was like was it there was a time when Saul you see in the scripture when he was little in his own eyes you know I mean, he was hiding amongst the stuff when, when, when the Lord was going to point him out through you know, Samuel. He was the king the people wanted, head and shoulders above the rest, right? But if we've done something that we ought not to, or we said something that we ought not to have said, we have a mercy seat. David's in the right, but if we were in the wrong, we have a mercy seat. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. Don't forget that. I mean, I mean it is, it's wonderful. He's faithful, but he's also just. He's not just sweeping something under the rug. No, he's just. He's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I mean, wow, what if David had been in the wrong here like, you know, with Bathsheba? He's seeking to conceal it. He's seeking to conceal it. What happens when you seek to conceal sin? How do you feel when you seek to conceal sin? When, when you know God knows you, you, you're in the wrong. When you know that you're guilty before God. When you know you've done something you shouldn't have done. Listen to what David says in Psalm 32 verse 3. When I kept silence, hmm, my bones waxed old. Through my roaring all the day long. I mean it doesn't leave you alone, does it? You know, it's there. Day and night, he says, Thy hand was heavy upon me. We we can identify with this right now. Listen to what he says next. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. And we're having that right now, aren't we? I acknowledge, he goes on and says, I acknowledged my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid. You can't hide it anyway. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord. And what do you find next? It says, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Best to be honest with God, right? Best to be honest with God. Never think you can hide something from the Lord. If, if our heart accuses us, God's greater than in our heart, right? We were talking about some of that yesterday, too. God knows if we have a heart of repentance. God knows if we truly have a heart that's trusted in Christ. A heart that desires to live for Him, unto Him, in all that we do. He knows. You, you may be able to fool other people, but you can't fool God. You fool me, you, you, you can fool others in your household, but you can't fool God. You can pretend with other people, but God sees and knows the heart. Psalm 51, verse 6 says, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Is there truth there? In the inward parts? And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. So, again, David, he's not in the wrong here. He, his, his loyalty to Saul was unquestionable. Um, I mean, there were likely those servants that Saul was saying, okay, somebody needs to kill David. And they're like, I don't get it. You know, why? What what has he done? Um, In the end, like I said, Saul says in 1 Samuel 24, 17, he says to David, thou art more righteous than I. David had proved that, hadn't he? God had proved that through David. He had proved that. He had shown that. So we find ourselves in circumstances with the oppressor. Lord, keep my lips. Keep, keep my thoughts. Help me to, to give a right answer you know, to this person who's oppressing me. Because in the end, this is the conclusion that we want them to come to. The same as David finds Saul saying, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good, whereas I have rewarded thee with evil. I was wrong towards you, but you've only ever done me right. Isn't that what First Peter three tells us that we ought to do? Verse number nine says, "Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing." David, kill him! There he is. I'm not going to kill him. You know,
1: was that a blessing?
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty extreme rendering of blessing, isn't it? You know, he could have killed Saul, but he didn't. That's more than just giving him a cup of water. Um, you know, because he was thirsty. Um, or praying for him even, but, but um, knowing that you're called thereunto that you should inherit a blessing for he that, he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. David says, I'm purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. And his lips that they speak no guile, let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it, for the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And again, here we go. And his ears are open to their prayers but the face of the lord is against them that do evil and who is he that will harm you i mean look at david's side of things saul seeking to kill him who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good but and if you suffer for righteousness sake happy are you and be not afraid of their terror neither be troubled I and mean, we find david in another psalm saying i'll not be afraid though ten thousand encamp against me right but sanctify the lord god in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. I mean, if somebody spits in your face and you don't spit back in theirs, they're going to wonder what's wrong with you. If somebody slaps you on the cheek and you don't turn around and slap them back, they're going to wonder what's wrong with you. Having a good conscience, that's a precious thing. Having a good conscience. That whereas they may speak evil of you as evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well doing than for evil doing. First Peter two nineteen, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when you be buffeted for your faults? You know, somebody comes to me and says, you were wrong. I know I'm wrong. I say, you're right. You're right. I was wrong. You know, what glory is it if you're buffeted for your faults and you take it patiently? But, and if when you do well, you do what's right and you suffer for it and you take it patiently, there's a couple of things that are going on, right? You've done what's right. You've suffered for doing what's right and you take it patiently. Difficult. Impossible to do apart from the grace of God. Impossible. This is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. If anybody could have reviled, it would have been him. Right? Righteous. Without sin. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself. Here's what I wanted to get to in that passage. That's First Peter 2, verse number 23. When he, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself. Listen to what's being said there. Committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. David was in the right. He commits himself unto the Lord who judges righteously. You know, David wants to be kept from the path of a violent man in verse number 4. He doesn't want to do the things that other men would do, what the flesh would desire to do. You know, the spirit is willing, flesh is weak. If he had known Jude one twenty four and 25, he might, have, he might have prayed that now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. And he says essentially the same thing before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. He's able to keep you from falling. He's able to present you faultless. We're kept by the power of God. Um, So David says in Psalm 19 verse 13 he says keep back thy servant. Keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and shall be innocent of the great transgression. If he didn't keep us, we couldn't keep ourselves, could we? Hmm? So David's committing himself and his circumstances to the Lord. It seems so simple, doesn't it? Just commit yourself and your circumstances to the Lord. Yeah, but you know we think that about people going through things. We tell them that, but we're not going through what they're going through. You know, it seems so simple. Yet things such as this require us to seek grace uh, from the Lord to act the way that we ought to act. So David here takes refuge in God. David humbles himself under the mighty hand of God. He's, He's waiting for the Lord to exalt him in due time, and he would. David would ascend to the throne. There would come a day that he would ascend unto the throne. He asked the Lord to show marvelous loving kindness. Any mercy the Lord shows unto us is marvelous loving kindness. Isn't the loving kindness of the Lord a marvelous thing, a precious thing, an undeserved thing that we're shown any time the Lord saves us from any set of circumstances? Well, consider this. These that we read about, you know, in verses, um, uh, like verses 12 and 11 and 12, compassing about the lion that's greedy for his prey. Zechariah 2.8 says this, For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. He that touches you as his child I've said before, you know, we've got labels in these. I can't get to that one. We've got labels in these shirts, you know, and they, they talk about care, care of that shirt, how you take care of that shirt. Well, we as Christians ought to come with a warning label. Here's the warning label, you know. Be careful. Touch not mine anointed. Do my prophet no harm. Brother J.T. touched on this this morning, you know, with one, you know, they would handle the word of God. You better take care, because there was those sons of Korah. You know, they, they were put to death. They said, Moses, we can do what you do. We don't need you. We'll take your place. Yeah. Careful. He that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. Well, let's go back up, then, since I've mentioned that, let's go back up then to what we see there in regards to the apple of the eye. What's the apple of the eye? What is that? Hmm? You can think about it as the pupil maybe. you know? The center, the apple of the eye. I mean, you, you think about how the eye is protected. What I was what there to protect it. Sister Shelby's touching her eye right now. Yeah, she's showing me. She's like pointing to her eyebrow. Or maybe the, the bone socket that goes around the eye. Or maybe she was pointing to the eyelash. Or maybe she was pointing to the eyelid. You think about how things have flown towards your eye, you didn't even see it coming. And the eye, you know, closes. Um, keep me as the apple. Of the eye, you know. Keep me as the eye is kept. Um, you know, the eyelashes are remarkable things. I mean, how many how many small particles would make it into our eyes if it weren't for our eyelashes? You know, catching. And how irritating is it to have some little thing in your eye? You know, especially if you wear contacts. You know, it gets under the contact, just irritates the eye. Um, I mean, even an eyelash can get in your eye and irritate your eye. You know. Um, but keep me as the apple. I mean, that's a carefully guarded organ, isn't it? Uh, I mean, this is a pretty important organ. It's pretty carefully guarded. I mean, even your hand, you know, protecting your eye if something's coming towards um, the eye. How about the pupil itself? It's bright. You know, the dilation that happens when it's bright or it's dark, protecting, you know, the eye even in, in, in that regard. Um, we we don't have to think about that. It's like breathing, you know. It just happens, yeah. yeah tear ducts yeah. moistening the eye. I mean, how how uncomfortable is a dry eye, you know? Absolutely. Uh, how red the eye becomes, you know, whenever it's not you know properly moistened. Um, I, I don't know anything about this, you know. Steve might be able to testify to this. Some people that lived have lived in cold places, you know. But I've heard. We don't know anything about it here, you know, but I've heard of people in really cold climates walking outside and that liquid on your eye can actually freeze. That is bizarre to me to even think about, you know, but the liquid on the eye can actually freeze. So how closely the eye is guarded. And so David says, keep me as the apple of the eye. He goes on and says, under the shadow of thy wings, hide me. Think about those little chicks under the wings of its mother. Not really thinking about a whole lot. I mean, if it was outside of the wing, it would be you know plucked up by a chicken hawk or something and, and, and didn't even see the danger coming. But there under the shadow of those wings, safe, secure, as we sing, from all alarm, right? What is the name of that hymn? Safe and secure from all alarm. Hmm? somebody think about that we'll sing it in a minute um, Lydia's like wait a second you gave me something to play already <laughs> maybe that's what I gave her I don't know I can't remember she comes to me during the week and says dad what should I play and I give her something and I can't even remember what it was but hide me under the shadow of thy wings what a precious picture of the child of God being hidden under the shadow of his mighty wings th- these, are, these aren't just wings these are mighty wings who's going to pluck you from his hand right I'm persuaded right Romans eight neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate you or us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord you know they're secure they're enclosed in their own fat that's what we read about that's an interesting term you know but they're they they they're they're satisfied you know They're not crying out to the Lord. They're not seeking to be kept as the apple of the eye or under the shadow of His wings. You know, I mean, they're enclosed in their own fat, and they are determined to get all that they want. You know, Saul would maintain his throne. Saul would maintain his glory. Saul would maintain his honor. No one was going to rob that from him, as far as he was concerned. They're they're secure in their own pursuits and successes. They lay up treasure for themselves, you know, like the rich man. But what was told of that man? I've gotten more than one cue already. Donnie was like this, and Teresa's taken down the camera. Um, That man was, it was said of that man, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose will those things be they leave their substance to their babes it says but he says about the fool so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward god not rich toward god it, it made me think of psalm 62:10 trust not in oppression that's what they're trusting in they're trusting in oppression they're, Saul's oppressing David he's trusting in oppression Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. David didn't set his heart upon the throne. He set his heart upon seeking the Lord. He set his heart upon trusting in the Lord. He set his heart upon glorifying the Lord. You know, here, what if you were given that news? You're going to be king. What are you going to set your heart upon? You're gonna set it up. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Everybody's in trouble now. I'm gonna be king. You know, I'm gonna be in authority. I'm gonna rule. I'm gonna do this and that. or like David, Lord, if, if that's I'm I'm just a shepherd boy. You know, Lord, if, if that's if that's what you desire. If I can glorify you by by being that, then so be it. Um, but don't don't leave me to myself. You know, uh, help me to, to to honor you in doing that. You know, there's there's this, a humility in a heart after. God's own heart. He was taken from the sheepcote from following the sheep to be ruler over Israel. Scripture says. Yet he didn't set his heart upon being king or he would have definitely have slain Saul, you know, in the cave. And there probably were a lot of men outside that cave that would have said, David, you are right. You are justified in doing it. That man, you didn't do anything wrong to him, you know, but he was seeking your life. You were just defending yourself, you know. We'll follow you. There might have been some of those people out there. But they hunted him. They surrounded him. I and mean, if they were going to put. If Saul was going to put David to death. What if they didn't follow out his command and his orders? These are the men who thought. What has David done? Well what can we do? The kings commanded it. There were some that withstood the order. Weren't there? Remember those priests. Those priests at Nob that Saul ordered to be killed because they had helped David and those men backed off (laughs) we're not touching those men we're not killing these priests and there's Doeg the Edomite I'll do it like the sons of Korah I'll do it what does David say in the end Lord disappoint them They've got a goal. They've got an agenda. They're trusting in oppression. They're, they've Disappoint them. Disappoint them. Like I said, they're satisfied with oppression. They're satisfied with the things of this world. But you get to the end and David says, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. Psalm 56.4 says, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Saul was seeking to kill him. I will not fear what flesh. You know, so you could say this trouble David was in produced some hope, right? It produced some hope. The Lord's going to do right by me. The Lord's going to do right. I've committed my cause to him. I've committed my circumstance. He's my portion, sister Shelby. He's going to take care of me. Even if he allows me to be put to death. You know, Job says though he slay me yet will I trust him, you know. But there's the trouble David's in. What lifted him out of the depression of that trouble? I've presented my case before the Lord. I've searched, you know, I've asked the Lord to search me. I'm not in the wrong here. I'm in the right. I've committed this cause to the Lord. The Lord will do what is right in this matter. So his circumstances as he's being pursued through the desert had not changed, but his perspective did. His perspective did. Prayer does that for us a lot of times. Our circumstances haven't changed, but our perspective has. We go in prayer and complaining. We come out saying, Lord, you know, you'll do what's right. You're, you're, you're in control here. You're sovereign. You're over all these things. I mean, if he gave his only begotten son, right? Doesn't Paul reason that way? If he gave his only begotten son, what will he not give? If he gave his son for you, what will he not give? What would he not do for you, Christian, having given his only begotten son. What type of substance, we see what substance they leave for their babes, right? That's what it said there. What type of substance we want to leave for ours? God's mighty to save. They're watching us. They're watching what we're going, they're watching how we're reacting. They're watching what we're doing. They're watching how we're responding to the things that we're going through. They see if our trust is in the Lord. And when they go through, they're like, you know, that's, this is where I need to go. This is where my mom and dad go. Their, Their trust is in the Lord. Their hope's in the Lord. They're waiting upon him. I watched them wait upon him in this circumstance. I can trust the Lord. He's faithful. He delivered them. He'll deliver me. I can remember thinking in those terms when, when Teresa was sick, you know, uh, Brother Bob, his wife had died, and I'm like, Lord, if you can bring that man you know, through that. His wife died in his arms. You know, imagine, I know that. I knew I'd get a reaction out of you when I am saying that, <laughs> uh, but died in his arms. And, uh, and I can remember Teresa was sick, and I thought she was going to die. And I was resolved. I'm like, Lord, if, 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 if you take Teresa, you, know, you, brought, you brought Brother Bob through that, I know you can bring me through it. You know, the same grace you showed unto him, you'll show unto me. Same strength you gave him, you'll give unto me. You know, um, so I'll trust you. I'll trust you. And we know that's by his grace, too. We give him glory for that. It's not, not that we've worked up that trust. God's produced that within us. He's given that unto us. So, well, amen.